All right, turn in your Bibles to the book of John. As Pastor Gable mentioned, when he came up and he said, turn to the book of Matthew, I was sitting in my seat saying, oh no. (laughs) And then when he was talking about the mic drop, I said, oh no. (laughs) And then he announced the verses and... All I could do was nod my head. Yep. So the Lord must have wanted that for the morning. And we trust him and his guidance in those things. And I am uh, working. I had started. I'm going to continue uh, tonight on messages talk about why Jesus himself said he came. And I preached one already previously when Jesus said he came not to destroy the law and the prophets, but to fulfill it. He wasn't some sort of uh, radical coming down, coming and tearing down the system. He was coming to fulfill that law, complete it because we could not, so that he could be our payment on the cross for sin. Tonight, we'll look at John chapter 9, and the reason why Jesus says he comes in this chapter is found at the end of the chapter, though we'll deal with a good portion of this chapter along the way. But John chapter 9, verses 39 through 41, and Jesus said, for judgment I am come into this world, that they which see not might see, and that they which see might be made blind. And some of the Pharisees which were with him heard these words and said unto him, Are we blind also? Jesus said unto them, If ye were blind, ye should have no sin. But now ye say, We see, therefore your sin remaineth. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would speak to us through your word. I pray that you would use me to speak what you want spoken, and not any more, not any less. I pray that you would challenge us from your word and help us to fully consider why you said that you've come. We ask that you meet with us, and we ask your blessing. In your son's name, amen. Amen. So maybe you've heard the expression, I'll believe it when I see it. And maybe you've even use that expression yourself. And you know, often what's interesting is that we refuse to believe something even after we've seen it. Um, and if someone were to ask us if we believe that it could happen again, we'll still say no. I don't think that could happen again. Or if we're asked to, if we trust the source that we heard something from, and we saw it with our own eyes, would you trust them next time? We would probably say no. And our passage that we read to start happens after Jesus heals a man who was born blind. And he heals him, and after an incident that we'll look at here, he finds him and finds him after he is cast out of the temple by the Jewish rulers. And 
he was thrown out, cast out, you could say excommunicated from the temple because he gave this testimony that we read in John chapter 9, verse 11. He testified, he answered and said, A man that is called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said unto me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And I went and washed and I received sight. He also testified in verse 25. He answered and said, Whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know that whereas I was blind, now I see. And toward the end, in verses 31 through 33, Now we know that God heareth not sinners, but if any man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will, him he heareth. Since the world began, it was not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind. If this man were not of God, he could do nothing. The formerly blind man, then just before our passage, verse 37, Jesus said unto him, talking about, uh, we'll back up a little bit further, verse 35, Jesus heard that they had cast him out, And when he had found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. This was the testimony that the blind man gave, which caused him to be excommunicated, thrown out, cast out of the temple. And it was right after the blind man testifies to his faith that Jesus says, For judgment I am come into this world, that they which see not might see, and that they which see might be made blind. Because you see, everyone in this account here in John chapter 9 saw something. And there was five different responses, five different groups of people, and they each had a different response. I think it's important that we look at those responses. We look at what they saw and look at those responses. So first of all, the blind man. The, Jesus and his disciples come across this man, and his disciples ask Jesus, why is this man blind? Did he sin or did his parents? And Jesus says, it's, it's not any of that. It's so that the works of God can be manifest. And after he said that, uh, verse number six, when he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the, of the spittle, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay, and said unto him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. He went his way, therefore, and washed and came seeing Jesus healed his physical blindness. So now this man literally could see. Whereas before, from his birth, he was blind. So certainly this man saw something. He saw things for the very first time, physically speaking. This man also saw, that is, experienced personally the power of God at work. And this man coming along and healing him by smearing mud 
on its eyes and telling them, go to a specific place and, and wash up. And clearly this was the power of God, a miraculous healing, and he experienced that. This man also saw, meaning understood, from what he knew of the scriptures, that the power of God doesn't work through wicked people in this manner. Such a, such a thing, such a healing like this would have to have had been performed by a prophet. He was surely familiar with the various prophets in the Old Testament, like Elisha and Elijah and, and others who performed miracles. So he saw in the scriptures that whoever it was that healed him must be connected with God. And then this blind man saw was introduced to the truth that Jesus is the Son of God, and he believed it. He heard from his lips, from the person of Jesus, Jesus' testimony about himself experienced his miraculous power and not only saw physically, but saw spiritually. But then we notice another group of people in verse 8. The neighbors, therefore, and they which before had seen him that he was blind, said, Is not this he that sat and begged? Some said, This is he. Others said, He is like him. But he said, I am he. Therefore they said they unto him, How are thine eyes opened? And he answered and said, A man that is called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said unto me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And I went and washed and I received sight. Then said they unto him, Where is he? He said, I know not. They brought to the Pharisees him that aforetime was blind. And it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. So this was the crowd, you might say. And they saw... I mean, they recognized this guy by sight. They were familiar with him. No doubt he was in a position where he would have to sit and beg. And so they walked by him, sometimes daily. And so they recognized him as somebody that they walked past every day. And they had seen along the way that he was blind. And now they see that this guy that they think had been blind, is now able to see. But the trouble is, they didn't believe their eyes. They said, is this him? Is this the same guy? And they said, yeah, I, I think it's him. And some said, eh, kind of looks like him, but that guy was blind and this guy's not. And the guy testified, yeah, I'm him. They didn't believe their eyes because they were inclined to see only what they were used to seeing. He had become basically kind of background noise in their day-to-day -day life such that they really didn't notice him anymore. And so since they were unsure... They didn't believe their eyes. They sought out the experts to tell them what they were seeing. And then 
they would presumably accept the expert's opinion. And really, this is how the same people can take part in the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem and then three days later be participating in the mob crying out to crucify him. Because they're agreeing, they're letting the experts tell them what to see. The religious experts. They really don't believe their eyes and so they look for answers from someone else. Another group of people was a group of two, that is the blind man's parents. So they bring him to the Pharisees. The Pharisees question him. And they're not exactly believing his testimony. It says so in verse 18, But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of him that had received his sight. And they asked them, saying, Is this your son who you say was born blind? How then doth he now see? His parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But by what means he now seeth, we know not. Or who hath opened his eyes, we know not. He is of age. Ask him. He shall speak for himself. These words spake as parents because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had all agreed already that if any man did confess that he was Christ, he should be put out of the synagogue. So his parents saw, but they pretended not to see. They recognized that this was their son. And they testified he was born blind. And they testified, well, clearly he can see now. But they refused to admit any more than that. They waffled on confirming their own son's testimony. They claimed not to have seen what happened to him, only the results. Technically, that's true. But they would not agree to what their own son said. See, they saw, but what they saw was those Jewish rulers and had fear or regard for them in their hearts. They refused to stand with their own child in support of his testimony about Jesus. Refused to say anything about Jesus. And we really don't even read of a thank you in here. And then we have the majority of the rulers who saw this situation. And as we read in verse 18, but the Jews did not believe concerning him when the people brought him. See, the rulers saw, but they refused to accept what they were seeing. They were denying it. The rulers knew of the other miracles that Jesus had done. They knew this man was going around healing people and casting out devils. And they were very familiar with who he was and what he was teaching. And they had seen him, but they refused And they tried to get the man, the blind man, or formerly blind man, to see things their way. Change his testimony because they refused to see his side of the story. 
verse 16, therefore some of the Pharisees said, uh, therefore said some of the Pharisees, this man is not of God because he keepeth not the Sabbath day. Others said, how can this man as a sinner do such miracles? And there was a division among them. But the majority of them came down on the side of this man is not a prophet. This man is not connected to God. This Jesus and anybody who talks about him being that way, we're going to throw out of the temple. They refused to see Jesus, and as a result, they made themselves blind. They did it to themselves. But then we see in the, in the passage that I just read, there was a, a minority of the rulers who saw, but they were still evaluating. It's said, how can this man... If he's a sinner, do these miracles. They, they were familiar with the same scriptures that the blind man was, but they were hesitating on, on judging. They were hesitating on coming down on, on one side or the other. They saw, they recognized the event that happened, but they were still making up their minds what to believe about it. So those are the five groups and what they saw. But I think it's important to consider how they see themselves. The blind man was born blind. He had a problem from birth. He couldn't see. And he knew it. And his life was hard because of it. The blind man recognized his blindness. The blind man said... And himself, I don't know a whole lot of scripture or, or who the Messiah is, but I know the Messiah is not me. And the way he questioned them in this passage, I think he was pretty sure that none of the Messiah wasn't any of those Jewish rulers either. The formerly blind man believed Jesus when he told him who the Messiah was because he knew he needed that. He knew he was blind, but he also knew that he had a spiritual problem that he could not fix. He recognized his own lowliness, and because he saw himself properly, he could see God's word and God's working and see the Messiah when God worked in his life. The crowd, however, they were blinded by their own apathy and ignorance. They weren't really familiar with the scriptures or they would have begun to recognize Jesus and what was going on here. The scriptures said that one was going to come who was going to heal the lame and the blind and the sick, set the captives free. But these really couldn't be bothered. Spiritual things were so much background noise. To them that they didn't really notice as they went about their life. And they were okay with giving their responsibility before God to a priestly class of experts to tell them what to see and what to think. They were okay with that. They didn't care that they didn't see. And when they realized they needed to see something because something unusual had happened, they went to somebody else to tell them what to think about what they were seeing. 
It was their apathy and their ignorance that blinded them. In some ways, it was part of how they were raised. Well, the, the scribes and the Pharisees, they're the experts. When anything supernatural or spiritual is going on, you, you go ask them. Don't try and search the scriptures yourself. And so they got used to that. But still, they were accomplices to their own blindness. The man's parents, they allowed their view to be obstructed. They could see what everyone else was seeing, but they allowed their view of the working of God to be blocked by the Pharisees. Pharisees who threatened them, and so they refused to see. They were looking at themselves in a way that was fearful, in a way that was being manipulated. They allowed their view to be blocked. They were blind because they shut their eyes, even when opening their eyes involved their own son. But they were only looking at themselves. They said, he's of age, ask him. We don't want to be on this witness stand. We don't like being put on the spot like this. And we don't want the consequences from you guys. And so they were looking at themselves. And most of the Pharisees could only see themselves also. See, they could not deny his miracles and they couldn't, they couldn't undermine his teaching either, even though they knew so much. <clears throat> the only thing they could do was refuse his person. <clears throat> And we see that when you don't really have good reasons for things, you start attacking the person of somebody who's questioning you. Why? Because you're defending yourself. You're focused on yourself. You want to prop yourself up and make yourself look good. The Pharisees said in themselves, we know all about the Messiah, and he's going to be like one of us. He's going to keep the rules perfectly like us, And he's going to judge the people just like us. And this guy isn't it. Because they were looking at themselves and thinking that they were the standard. That when that Messiah did come, he would look like them. Because they were so busy looking at themselves all the time. So much so they couldn't see, that is, perceive or comprehend God's word when they were reading it. They couldn't see God himself when he was standing right in front of them, working the power of God, because they refused to see. They had become so big in their own sight, they could only see themselves. They claimed spiritual sight, but they had basically blinded themselves. Then those few other Pharisees that were on the fence, they saw someone special in some way, but it was... Again, looking at themselves, and here's a guy who has something that they don't have. They hadn't attained to that level, and so they weren't quite sure what to think. They're still looking at themselves, but Jesus had kind of caught their eye, and Nicodemus is an example of this. When he went to Jesus by night, so the others wouldn't see him talking to Jesus, because he was curious. They realized 
you're not like us, but there's something going on here. But the problem was they were also looking at their fellow Pharisees, and they had a hard time trusting their eyes. And basically their conclusion was they hadn't seen enough to come to a conclusion. So we lay out these five, well, one individual and four groups of people. Brother Fetterman, you said you were going to talk about judgment. What does this have to do with judgment? It has everything to do with judgment. Because judgment is essentially a decision. And that's why Jesus puts this all together. For judgment, I am come into this world that they which see not might see, and that they which see might be made blind. He's not talking about judgment in the normal sense that we usually think of it. It's basically determining what's right, what's wrong, sort of in a, in a court sense. Not the, not the punishment on end of it, but getting to the truth. What, what, is, what is the actual situation? I have to decide. And in a court case, is this particular person innocent or is he guilty? There has to be a decision. Punishment comes after the decision. This is the judgment that Jesus is talking about. Determination. Figuring out the answer. Because Jesus said, if we back up just one chapter, Jesus, uh, John chapter 8, verse 15. Jesus says, Ye judge after the flesh, but... Uh, I judge no man. Okay, Jesus isn't going to contradict himself. So what he's talking about is not judgment, meaning you broke the law and you need to be punished. He's talking about judgment. You need to make a decision about what you believe. You know, it's hard to make impartial judgment. Decisions that are based only on facts. It's incredibly difficult. I think every one of us thinks that we have that ability. Oh, I'm impartial. I'm just judging based on the evidence. No, your emotions are a lot stronger than you think they are. So are your preconceived ideas about things. You're used to seeing things a certain way, and then when something comes along that's different than that, You're either going to ignore it or find a way to squeeze it into what you're used to seeing rather than evaluating it on its merits. We're, you could say, invested in thinking about things the way we do, and we make decisions based on those investments. So we see five groups of people, but only two types of judgment. Only two decisions. And we'll start with a blind man. He was a needy seeker. He had a physical need. But looking at what we see here, it seems like he was looking for spiritual answers as well. No doubt along the way, he had asked God a few times and 
We touched upon this a little bit in Sunday school with Habakkuk. God, why? Why am I like this? Isn't there some sort of healing? I'm sure spiritual questions plagued his soul as well as they do all of us. But he knew he didn't have the answer. And he saw Jesus was a special person, in his words, at that time, a prophet. And then Jesus himself told him that he is the son of God. And the blind man, when confronted with the evidence, saw the truth and decided who Jesus is. Jesus says, I'm the son of God. And the blind man said, I believe. And he worshiped him. That was the blind man's judgment. That was the blind man's decision. That curious crowd. They had seen the blind man many times, but never really saw him. They heard his testimony and saw the change in him. They didn't know what to think about his claim. Though to various degrees, they knew the man. They took him to the experts. They wanted the decision to be made for them by the experts. They wanted not just the decision about this blind man to be made for them, but their own spiritual condition as well. I'm going to trust these experts that what they're saying is the truth, and these things are what make me right with God. They're too busy to worry or care about it, and they decided that they weren't going to decide. They were going to let somebody else decide. But you can't do that. Not with Jesus. Because he says that he came into the world for judgment. For you to decide. For every human being to decide who he is. But they said, we don't want to decide. We'll let the experts decide for us. Then you had his parents, which were the fearful observers. They could see their son and the change in him. And they believed that evidence, but they were afraid to make a decision. They were afraid of losing status and material things in this world. So they had purposefully decided also not to decide. They were really, ultimately, not any different than the crowd. They got intimidated by the experts. Said, well, we're not, we're not going to decide this. We have too much to lose if we decide the wrong way. Then we see the righteous blind men, the Pharisees. They believe they had all the answers, and they believe that they were the answers. They refused all evidence. They had already decided to reject Jesus, no matter how much evidence got put in front of them. The Pharisees and scribes said, no, it's not him. And then those hesitant Pharisees, see, they were invested in the religious system and didn't want to lose that investment But they were inclined to believe, but they decided they didn't have enough evidence. And they hadn't made a decision. 
So we need to see more. But that is still no decision. It's still not a yes or a no. And that is why Jesus came. To put on display before everyone that God exists and you need to do business with Him. Jesus' message is repent and believe the gospel. If you don't make a decision, you're not going to repent. The two types of decision are yes or no. And this blind man, he decided yes. And understand that all the other decisions from all these people is no. If you walk out of here undecided and you get hit by a car in the parking lot, God forbid, your answer is still no when you stand before God. You have got to make a decision. And when you sit here week after week, and young people, you sit in chapel week after week and you hear messages and you say, I don't know. The answer is no. You can't be apathetic. How much more evidence do you need to see? We've got racks of people's testimonies out there and you can talk to them personally. It says, before I was a sinner and I was chained by my sin, but now I'm free. What else do you need to see? What else do you need to see? For that answer to be yes. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Almighty God. And I need Him to save me. What will you do with Him? That's what Jesus is going to ask when you stand before Him. And you don't know when that day is. And you have until your last breath to decide. Or to even change your mind. You know, those, the large percentage of the Pharisees, they decided no. And hopefully some of them repented. And did believe. From the testimony of those that saw that he had raised from the dead. When they saw somebody like Stephen. Who was willing to be stoned to death because of his testimony for Jesus. Paul changed his mind. You cannot pass through heaven's gate undecided. Maybe you need to take a closer look at the blind man. That is, maybe you need to take a closer look at yourself. The way that God sees you. See how helpless you really are. You aren't as good as you think you are. If you let the law and the Holy Spirit do its work, God will show you. And he's not showing you to rain on your parade. He's not showing you to just be a big, mean ruler in the sky. Wants to mete out punishment. No, he wants you to see so that you can decide. And decide the right way. And come to Christ and be saved. Maybe you should talk to a few formerly blind people. And not the experts. Talk to some people and maybe people that you have seen, that you knew what they were like. Some of you have parents like that, who are sinners, who are going the way of the world. And they met Jesus, and Jesus healed them. You can ask 
Sometimes you can ask your parents. There's plenty of people in this church who would be willing to tell you their encounter with the Lord, how they were blind, and now they see. You'll need to go to some sort of healing service or have some priest pray over you. You need to decide about Jesus. Is he your savior? Talk to someone who was at the end of the rope, who saw their sin and repented of it, called on Christ alone for forgiveness, and has become a very different person. Look at the testimony of the blind man. Maybe you should look at Jesus himself and spend some time getting to know him from God's word. Who he is. What he did. What he has done for you on the cross. Maybe you need to let God show you and show you the awesome price that was paid to forgive your sin so you can have a relationship with God. Maybe you need to consider, as we heard in the morning message, if you say, oh, you don't know how bad I am, okay, that makes you a public and a sinner. And Jesus went to spend time with them. And in that dinner, in that conversation, it was probably very similar to that Last Supper where Jesus was teaching and the disciples were asking him questions, getting clarification on things. That's what was happening in that supper with those publicans and sinners. They were finding out in person more about Jesus. And with my imagination, sometimes I wonder if Zacchaeus was at that dinner. I wonder if that encounter is what caused him to or hearing about the encounter of some other people who had dinner with Jesus. I need to see this Jesus. And he ran and climbed a tree so he could see him for himself. Who is he? What did he do? How merciful and kind how he, he is. How pure he is. How loving he is. How he can heal any problem. He can take away any sin except the sin of rejecting him. And if you're still of the opinion, I haven't seen enough, what proof will you believe? As you, those of you who do know the Savior and you run into people who refuse to believe and say, well, They haven't seen enough. This is the question to ask them. What would it take? What would you have to see in order to believe that Jesus is God? And if you see it, will you change your mind anyway? Jesus said, For judgment I am come into this world, that they which see not might see, and that they which see might be made blind. If ye were blind, ye should have no sin, but now ye say, we see, therefore your sin remaineth. And Jesus also said, now that he came, there's no more cloak, there's no more hiding place for your sin. He showed perfection to the whole world, and he showed that you can't do it. 
show that you need him. You have to make a decision. Are you going to follow like the blind man did, formerly blind man did, and believe on Jesus Christ? Are you going to say, make that decision in the affirmative, yes, Jesus, you are the Son of God. You paid the price on the cross for my sin. Or are you going to walk out of here saying no, or I don't know, and those two answers are the same. It's no. It's yes or no. And that's why Jesus came. To come face to face with you. To get a judgment, not on his part, but on yours. Is he your savior or not? I hope you consider that tonight. If you haven't already, if you're still in that I don't know category... Please consider some more. That's why he came.